Welcome to Scandal.K12.us. Our Scandal K-12 curriculum is a true crime comedy podcast about bamboozling boards, sneaky superintendents, lame learning products, and teachers who are way too cool for school. This curriculum may contain references and potential descriptions of crimes against minors in the field of education. Listener discretion is advised. And now, time for morning announcements. Good morning, Scandal K-12 students, home of the fighting rats. Go rats! For this announcement, we're going to look at an aspect of school governance. Since our stories will touch on multiple states, we'll be playing the national anthem. Please rise. Thanks, Scandal K-12 Glee Club. We'd like to say that you phoned it in, but you didn't phone it in. If you out there would like to phone it in, give us a call at 518-945-8553 and belt out a song we can use without fear of copyright infringement. Okay, students, today we're going to look at school governance. As we said, we're going to examine a few stories regarding school boards. And you know what school boards are. They're the people who decide things in your school district, and maybe you only think of them every now and then. Perhaps you think of them only when you see signs that say, School Board Election, and you totally mean to participate this time, but then forget, and you're like, Oh yeah, the school board vote. Damn. And that's the last you think of the school board until the next crop of election signs appear on people's lawns or on highway easements. Or maybe the school board is, from your perspective, a group of people who assemble at 7 p.m. in a school auditorium the furthest from your kid's school, and you drive there. When you get there, the place is already full, so if you have to find a person with a list, you put your name on the list for the public comments, since you just are so mad that your kid's school did the thing, and you want everyone to know about the thing. Well, at least on the table there's some coffee, but it's actually the bad coffee that's been donated by the bad coffee place on Route 212 next to the rent-a-tent place. You have to sit up front since all the seats close to the doors have been taken, and the seat is, of course, made for the smallest child ever imagined, so your legs are cramping from the get-go. Why do they always do these things at elementary schools? Then you wait, and wait, and the people at the tables on the stage discuss line items. There are 47 line items to go through, each one with a motion. Most of the votes are unanimous. Couldn't this have been an email? Then the people discuss contracts with departments and positions you've never even heard of. The district has a psychometrician? You you lost your place in the agenda and thought it was over, but no. The board revised the agenda just before you got there and voted on the revisions unanimously. All of a sudden, several students get up. Oh, God, they're not kids with their parents attending the meeting. They're students here for a school thing. A few students present some really boring science thing. Another student sings that trite, popular song, the one that's used in every movie. Okay, that was lovely, wasn't it? Kids are learning, but these aren't your kids. Get on with it. After the kids, a few teachers say inspiring things. One actually made puppets, but this is not your kid's teacher, so get on with it. A principal talks after the puppet teacher about an award from a foundation intent on spreading love or health or mindfulness or something, and you wait and wait, and finally, it's a public comment section, And of course, the crazy-looking old man with the shopping bag stuffed with newspapers is speaking just before you, and of course he goes over his time and is reminded, Mr. Peterson, we won't allow you to talk at meetings if you continue to abuse your time allotment. 
And he keeps going, and then it's your turn. But the room is now super sour. Even the inspirational teachers look at you with daggers, and people close to the doors have already left, but you're stuck up front. So you have three minutes, and it's it's bloody 10, 18 p.m. already, and you tell them about the thing that happened at the school and how mad you are about the thing that happened. But now you're so exhausted and a little scattered in your thoughts. And, you know, three minutes isn't a long time to present a real story. And you have a page of notes that you don't get through, but you can't be like Mr. Peterson. So when they call time, you stop. But you're not even done with your notes. And now you're even more angry. And you shuffle your papers kind of passive aggressively and return to your seat. But, you know, walking out on the meeting would be interpreted as, as, well, aggressive, aggressive. And you're just in the front row, so you'll be going to... You've got to be caught on camera since all the meetings are now broadcast live and taped, and this could wind up on YouTube. It's a good 18 minutes more of this god-awful meeting, and when you reach under your seat for your bag when you're leaving, something sticky is on it, and now the sticky is on your hand. During the 30-minute drive home, you get super angry about the thing, as well as angry about not being heard since all they did was enter your comments in the minutes. When you get home, you can't sleep, as all you can think about is the thing and now the meeting. The next day, you're super tired, but you're still mad about the school thing, but also really mad about the meeting. So you get onto the socials and you blast everyone on the school board. But it turns out that Sheila from Pilates is related to one of the board members. And she's like, oh, yeah, so you can't be angry about the thing. We're now angry at you for being angry at the thing. And before you know it, dog poop is appearing on your porch and your car has a little shopping cart dent in it from the parking lot and that just can't be a coincidence. Or perhaps you're a young journalist and you've been given the education section of the news site and you're just trying to file stories on time and earn a transfer to something interesting like obituaries. And in these long school board meetings, you're just waiting, praying for something to happen, something that'll propel your story to the front page, or at least page two or three or even four. But mostly you're silently thinking, kill me. Can something interesting happen? When did I go wrong with my life? And after several years, you might indeed get transferred out of the education beat and put in charge of maybe the pet section of the paper. Well, for this episode, no matter who you are, you're in luck, because this episode is about exciting stories that jump out of that education section and onto maybe page four, maybe even five. Well, so hold on to your agendas, because we're covering a meeting we're calling scandal.k12.us forward slash school board. Get it? B-O-R-E-D, like... Okay, so maybe the wordplay is just better in print. As always, let's start with a little background. According to Wikipedia, the American Board of Education traces its origins back to 1647 with the formation of the first American public school system. The Massachusetts Bay Colony mandated that every town establish a public school within its jurisdiction. Committees sprang up to run the institutions, and in the 1820s, the state of Massachusetts required such committees to be independent of local governments, establishing the current model for the autonomous school districts that exist throughout the United States. The United States Constitution reserved educational authority in the hands of states pursuant to the Tenth Amendment, you know, the amendment cited for states' rights. At the state level, while the names and titles may differ, every state in the Union has a state-level Department of Education, which then empowers local school boards to administer the details of running however many schools are in a particular district. 
For over a century, local boards were solely responsible for public educational funding, standards, instruction, and results, which to a certain extent remains true today. According to Noodle.com, a non-pasta-related educational consulting company, quote, the school board embodies the public side of public education. Elected or appointed by the towns, they represent members of the school board advocate for the needs and desires of the district. While the role of a public school board may vary state by state, for the most part, they have similar responsibilities. Some of the most important responsibilities the board holds includes hiring and or firing the superintendent, setting the yearly budget, approving contracts for in-district teachers and local outside vendors, establishing a clear vision for the district, expanding the district, or closing schools as needed. For instance, the Massachusetts Constitution characterizes the school board as a body with the power to select and terminate the superintendent, approve district education budgets, and establish goals and policies for the district schools. Today, about 90% of school boards are elected positions. This means that as long as you're not in the high-dollar districts such as New York City, Philadelphia, or Boston, where school boards are appointed by the mayor, you can run for school board. Running for school board is considered an honor and also a great start to a political career, or at least a good place to be very involved in the community, creating friends and enemies that will last a lifetime. While there are different qualifications according to each state and often even district stipulations, generally you need to fulfill the following. Be a United States citizen, resident in the state and school district you're running in for at least one year preceding the election, be at least 18 years of age, be a registered voter in your state and not a school trustee or anyone with financial ties to the district. You can work in any industry other than the United States Postal Service. Finally, which quite honestly we thought would be first on all these lists but is typically seen as an aside, you cannot be a child sex offender or convicted of an infamous crime. Yikes. When we looked at all these different sites, how was that not the first thing on the list? No touchy the children. Also, no infamous crimes? What even is that? According to the Washington State Legislature, quote, an infamous crime is a crime punishable by death in the state penitentiary or imprisonment in a state or federal correctional facility. Which sounds boring, but we're going to leave it to Merriam-Webster to spice up the definition calling these crimes a crime judged infamous because it constitutes treason or a felony because it involves moral turpitude of a nature that creates a strong presumption that the one guilty is unworthy of belief in the court of law or because it subjects the one guilty to infamy. Okay, so avoid those crimes. Okay, but that's a definition. What does this really mean? According to the website, The Top Tens, a website devoted to the listing of top ten things from movies to car brands, the top ten worst crimes list gives number one, infamous crime, as murder, and number seven is slavery, and number ten is arson. But wait, oh dear, this is a user-voted list and not compiled by experts, and yeesh, ouch, the comments. Ugh, the website. Anyway, this isn't the jurisprudence podcast, so let's get back on track with our episode where we touch on some stories of less than effective school boards and their often offensive members. For this, we're going to start with a classic one from the new pandemic age of Zoom you might have all heard of. No matter our age, we're all Zoomers now, students. Think of all the times you've seen in movies or on TV or at karaoke when someone taps the microphone and asks, Is this on? First, don't ever tap a microphone when presenting to a large group. It's bad for your sound tech and terrible for your equipment. Unless it's that beer-stained microphone in the moist karaoke cave, then all bets are off. But if you do tap the karaoke microphone, please wash your hands after with bleach. 
While you don't tap, you may want to ask, "Is this thing on?" Which is exactly what a school board in California did not ask as they publicly live stream their very lively pre-meeting meeting. According to the BBC, the entire school board of Oakley Union Elementary School District resigned after their comments went out to the community unedited and unfiltered. Now on KTEL, you can hear all of this on the comedy album Oakley Union Elementary School Raw. You can experience the comedy gold moments such as, "Bitch, if you're gonna call me out, I'm gonna fuck you up. Sorry, that's just me." <laughs> And who can forget? They want to pick on us because they want their babysitters back, and they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> Not to mention the crowd pleaser. My brother had a delivery service for medical marijuana. His clientele were parents with their kids in school. <laughs> All this comedy gold can be yours for just one penny, and each month we'll send you another comedy album from Oakley Union Elementary School District. If you order now, we'll include the California Elementary School District data of combined math and reading proficiency testing data for 2017-2018 school years that ranks Oakley Union Elementary School District number 717 out of all 1,013 districts in the entire state. Act now, cancel at any time. For our next story, we're going to shift coasts and go back east. Mayo Pack is a sleepy hamlet just north of Katona and east of Canopus in New York State. Outside of the occasional drug bust, not much happens at Mayo Pack. But this all changed when it became surprise open mic night at the Mayo Pack school board meeting. Open mic night, minus the slam poetry, of course. According to CBS local reporter Emily Smith, now wife to the 20 years her senior Steve Gutenberg, and whose Twitter page brags, quote, "Yes, I am Miss Gutenberg." The school board president referred to a mother of six and frequent volunteer at school functions in a rather rude way in response to a board member's other comments. Quote, "This one here, chubby wubby, she gets fatter and fatter every meeting." The then board president said, not knowing that the mic was on and the event was already live streaming on the school district's website. According to Miss Gutenberg, Nee Smith, some parents are especially outraged because Mailpack High School athletes were suspended in March over racist tweets. The incident prompted swift action by the school board, and the board president spearheaded this effort by creating a diversity and sensitivity team in response to that scandal. We can only imagine that training for diversity and sensitivity was watching a marathon of John Hughes, followed by a binge of Kevin Smith and Jeff Tremaine films, topped off with a Tosh Point O happy ending. And for that, we thank you. Thank you. Now for the next story, we're going to go down to Cajun Country. Connie Bernard, an East Baton Rouge Parish school board member, is in trouble for not knowing that crashing a raging house party always ends in madcap disaster. We mean, didn't she watch any John Hughes films? It seems that a house close to hers in Lakedale was having a very boisterous party, and she entered the house to document the disturbance with her portable computer we call a phone. Once inside, her hosts invited her to leave, upon which she refused. One of the party goers, perhaps a little inebriated, stole her phone, to which she became very incensed and yelled and cursed and started to strangle what is described in some outlets as a young man or even a boy. Sadly for Bernard, as she documented, so shall she be documented. And while she did not get her phone back, this entire event was caught on someone else's portable computer, the ones we call phones, and then this video was uploaded to the internets, where it'll never be forgotten. While initially Bernard was given a summons for refusing to leave, a minor trespassing citation, when the video surfaced in 2018, she was arrested for assault since she was seen placing her quote hands to the neck of a young man close quote 
or I guess what we just call strangling. State District Judge Ron Johnson gave Bernard three months of unsupervised probation, fined her $300, and ordered her to perform 20 hours of court-approved community service work. The judge also ordered Bernard to complete the court's effective decision-making school, write a letter of apology to the victim's family, and pay $235 in court costs. She was not, however, compelled to resign. So, for bonus points, there is a current petition on the Change.org website to remove her from the school board since, as of her crime in 2018, she's also later been criticized for shopping on her laptop during a discussion to change the name of the Lee High School, which was named, of course, after Confederate General Robert E. Lee. While the online petition has so far received over 25,000 signatures as of this recording, the district will need an 8,000 in-person signature paper for a resolution to recall her from the board. Quote, she's getting ready for a fight, said Woody Jenkins, a former state legislator who served with Bernard for years on the parish's Republican Party's executive committee. You can follow the fun by liking the hashtag, hashtag by Connie on Facebook, because being involved in other people's local politics is fun and distracts us from our own problems and our own local politics. Now we're just going to have to leave that there and move ahead. So when you're in Montville, Connecticut, the first rule is don't talk about Montville, Connecticut. Well known as the township that has the Mohegan Sun Native American Casino, the dinosaur place with 40-plus life-size dinosaurs on over 60 acres, and, of course, nature trails, a splash pad and a dino-themed playground, and, of course, don't forget the supercharged indoor trampoline and karting, it's also known for having a school-based fight club. Yes, we know the first rule of school-based fight club is don't talk about school-based fight club, but that is exactly what has gotten a principal, a superintendent, and a school board in trouble. Unlike Tyler Durden or the narrator of Fight Club, these school officials were all mandated reporters, which means that, you know, were kids to pummel one another and they knew about it, they had to kind of report it, which, uh, allegedly, they did not. <coughs> According to the Connecticut newspaper, The Courant, quote, police in December began investigating reports that a substitute high school teacher was allowing, and at times encouraging, timed one-on-one -on -one fights in a math class, state police said. <coughs> Ryan Fish, a then 22-year-old substitute teacher, was charged the other week with four counts of second-degree reckless endangerment, two counts of risk of injury to a minor, and a single count of breach of peace, police said. No one suffered serious physical injuries, according to the paper, but one student did show signs of mental trauma. Another boy had a slight bloody nose after a fight, and a third began vomiting into a classroom trash can. According to the substitute, quote, boys will be boys. And he says that he grew up in the countryside where all this kind of stuff goes on all the time. Well, substitute teacher Ryan Fish, this is Connecticut, and this is the township that in 2007 banned balls in the playground, as well as recess games such as kickball, soccer, and other, quote, body-banging activities where, according to a story in the New York Times, quote, knees and feelings might get bruised. So, substitute teacher Fish, in a place where children are encouraged to just jump rope, play with hula hoops, or gently toss a Nerf frisbee, you should have had them rock, paper, scissors, not make knuckle sandwiches as part of classroom antics. This is lame. Now, strangely enough, we're going to bounce back down to the Pelican State, Louisiana, for our next story. 
Dacia Hargrave, an English language arts teacher at Rene Roast Middle School in Vermilion Parish, asked board members why they were planning to vote to give the superintendent a raise when teachers had not had a pay increase in years. According to the Washington Post, quote, Hargrave wanted to be called on to address the board. She talked about why she did not want the board to give the superintendent a raise. To quote her, We work very hard with very little to maintain the salaries that we have. And as I've been teaching the last few years, I've seen class sizes grow enormously. It's a sad, sad day to be a teacher. Now, her comments about the raise were ruled out of order by the school board chair, who said Hargrave could not ask questions and expect answers during the public comment period. While the teacher left the room when told to by a security officer, she allegedly caused an altercation in the hallway for which she was thrown to the floor and handcuffed. Much of her commentary prior to the arrest was caught on video, as, of course, was her arrest, all of which was then uploaded to YouTube, where since 2018 it's received 3,600,000 views, which is uh, about a million more views than Led Zeppelin's box set by Atlantic Records sold in 1990. In early 2019, Hargrave sued both the district the members of the school board, and the arresting officer accusing them of various offenses, but it seems that the only one that really stuck was that the, quote, school board violated the open meetings law. And for this, the Third Circuit upheld the rulings of lower courts and denied appeals by the school board and actually nullified all decisions made at that meeting, including the raise given to the superintendent. So we're going to see how the district, as well as Hargrave, fares as this drags its way up to the Supreme Court. One thing for sure, teachers in those parish schools make an average of $46,000. This is with a master's degree, and the superintendent's salary is now $149,000. But to put that in some perspective, the highest paid superintendent in Louisiana makes $270,000, while the lowest paid... Well, actually, the lowest paid was the superintendent of Vermilion Parish, as the position he took in about $110,000 a year for year after year until the school board finally raised it about $30,000 in that very eventful 2018 meeting that sent Hargrave to the slammer and the district to the Supreme Court and downgraded the superintendent to a consultant as they sort out this legal compensation issue. There's got to be easier jobs out there. Like sales account executive in Slidell, Louisiana, for Alliance Bus Group, where with a college degree that is absolutely optional, you do have to have a high school diploma or, or GED. That's mandatory. But still, this job starts at $110,000 a year. We're just saying. Let's move over now to sunny South Carolina. Do you have what it takes to be the baddest bitch on the school board? A Richland District 2 school board member was arrested after an altercation following a school board meeting the Richland County Sheriff's Department in South Carolina announced. Monica Elkins Johnson was charged with disorderly conduct after she allegedly shoved the sister of a state senator and a fellow school board member after the school board meeting. According to ThisState.com, a news source for Columbia, South Carolina, Elkins Johnson was in an argument with one of the board member's husbands and allegedly called him a motherfucker and threatened to kill him. This caused one of the other board members, the sister of the senator, to insert herself in the argument, and for that the board member may or may not have gotten shoved and then escalated from there. And, but according to police, Elkins Johnson exclaimed a number of different things, such as, Bitch, I asked you to get the f*** out of my face before I beat your ass. 
Elkins Johnson was alleged to have punched, quote, an unnamed victim in the chest area, but according to thestate.com, the police report released provided no details regarding that allegation, and for some reason, it seems there are actually two police reports with slightly conflicting details or containing redacted names. This is, might just be what happens when a state senator is literally catfight adjacent. Following the altercation, Elkins Johnson was restrained by Richland 2 security and detained in the old county lockup, where she then posted bail. Now, we know that nothing this big ever happens out of thin air, and apparently Elkins Johnson had some beef with many of the other school board members, some of whom seemed to be wrestling with their own legal issues concerning fraud, waste, and corruption. According to BlytheWoodOnline.com, a local county news blog, Elkins Johnson claimed that at the time of the complaint, she was speaking with some church members, but then she was involved in an argument by a board member. But unfortunately, surveillance video that was later released shows that she had actually been the one to attack people. So we're not really sure what went on. While parents and many in the school community called for her resignation, you think a badass bitch who punches, shoves, and slaps and threatens to kill her enemies is going to listen to haters? In 2020, Elkins Johnson came up for re-election and won her third term to the school board. If you scandal students have learned anything, it's when presented with a complex problem in education, you review the data, examine the options, and then you tell the problem, get the f*** out of my face before I beat your ass. Now we're going to go up to Connecticut for our next story, and our next story we're going to have to hear some yay. Not just a little yay, lots of yay. According to Fox 61 News, a member of the Waterbury School Board and her husband are facing charges after authorities intercepted more than five pounds of cocaine. Five pounds of cocaine? That's 2,267.96 grams. Even if you had a Whitney Houston-sized habit with that much yayo, it would take you quite a while for even two people to get through it. Um, we imagine, not that we know. It seems that Waterbury Board of Education member Melissa Ardorno and her husband faces money laundering, forgery, and other charges connected to not just the shipment, but Ardorno's husband's illegal business activities, which means whatever he was doing, he probably just wasn't paying taxes on it. According to Eyewitness News 3, UPS dropped a dime on Ardorno when a facility manager told investigators he suspected a suspicious package because the return address was known for sending drugs, and then when two people came to pick it up, they refused to present identification. However, according to Eyewitness News 3, it was only 5.5 ounces of Bolivian marching powder, which is still 155.922 grams, but nowhere close to that 5 pounds, Fox 61. I mean, Fox 61, you had us so excited, but now we're like, meh. We mean, at 100 grams, that is if you don't step on it. The street value is still $15,000, but maybe cut a little and you get a cool $20,000, but still, that's no 5 pounds of white lady coming in the mail. Whatever the actual amount of drugs or Adorno's involvement, the case continues to work its way through the courts, and as of this recording, other than a new 2021 allegation that Adorno has been filing for unemployment, even though she continued to work for the school system, which seems strange since she was part of a somewhere between 155 to 2200 gram amateur-style drug buy through the mail, well, maybe this crime is nothing for the school board since Waterbury remains at a solid third place as Connecticut's most dangerous place to live or visit, and this is a state with Hartford and New Haven. So perhaps we need to put this in a certain perspective. So we're going to give the coast a little rest for a moment and fly over to the flyover, over to Warren Township in Indiana. They are a hardworking school board member need a little something to get through the night. 
Greendale Police Department was called to the Zimmer Tractor Store as a black vehicle with a man and a woman inside who appeared to be using narcotics were seen by a staff member. We literally looked up this location, and right next to it was a Quality Inn and Suites and a McDonald's, and the best they could find was a parking lot for a store in the middle of exurban sprawl filled with tractors, not to mention a suspicious black car. What were they thinking? Anyway, according to Fox 59, two down from Fox 61, an employee at the tractor store told officers that a female in the car may have been putting on a tourniquet, which is, of course, known to be commonly used by those who inject narcotics. But yikes! All the police found in the car was lots of meth, some pipes, spear, and a loaded gun. Michelle Wright was charged with possession of methamphetamine with enhancing circumstances, possession of paraphernalia, and public intoxication. Again, we don't condone drug activity, but be safe, and there was a quality inn and suites right there, and a McDonald's bathroom handy. Have a little sense. I mean, you know that the bathroom at McDonald's, it's no Starbucks bathroom, but sometimes if you gotta chase a dragon, you gotta work with what you got. According to Ballopedia, Wright assumed office in 2010 and her current term ends on December 31st, 2022, but if she's convicted of a felony, she may end that term just a little sooner. We certainly hope she gets the help she needs, because if you look at a picture of her in 2010 and compare it to her mugshot today, yikes. Now our next story is one that could only take place in Florida. It involves grandpa, guns, and grandpa. According to the Miami Herald, a former longtime Miami-Dade school board member shot at a car in a parking mall and then led cops on a chase, opened fire at them, crashed, and then hid in thick brush before being taken into custody. Dr. Solomon Stinton, 81, yes, Dr. Stinton was 81 years of age. He had retired from the school board back in 2010. He now faces charges including attempted homicide, resisting arrest, and aggravated assault with a firearm after leading police on that high-speed chase through the busy streets of Florida. According to police, this feisty former board member shot at cops from his car during the chase, and police returned fire. Yes, this super senior got into a gunfight with cops in the middle of the day in Florida in June. Stinton, after his fight, tried to get away at a high rate of speed, but lost control of his car and drove down an embankment, ultimately where he then ran into undeveloped and dense landscape to hide. Remember, this guy is 81 years young. Let's see you do that. The police shut down local roads and highways and searched for him. When they found Dr. Stinton, he was still unwilling to surrender, but was eventually taken into custody with the, quote, use of a less lethal weapon, which may have been Geritol. No ageism here, but he was 81 years old. Dr. Stinton was taken to Memorial Hospital West with minor injuries and was arrested for the numerous charges. We're not sure the motive, but in Florida, on a long enough timeline, people's bucket lists get real weird. So let's stay in Florida for just a little quick one. You know how you have at least one friend or relative who's into cryptocurrency like Bitcoin? Well, it turns out that one school board member knew one of those people all too well and in turn got into a lot of trouble. Former Palm Beach County School Board member Michael Murgo avoided jail time in his sentencing Friday after pleading guilty for his role in a federal bribery case involving his son. Murgo, at a hearing in New York, was sentenced to one year of probation and a $12,000 fine, his attorney said. Murgo had faced the possibility of 10 to 16 months in prison. Quote, 
We are relieved. We are happy, Margot's attorney, Stuart Kaplan, said, quote, This has really had a tremendous emotional toll on him. You see, Marco 66 in October pleaded guilty to making false statements to the National Credit Union Administration on behalf of his son, Anthony Murgo. It seems that Anthony Murgo was threatening the whole Luminate-based fiat currency market with his own Luminate-based fiat currency market, and the Southern District of New York didn't take a shine on young Murgos using his own system to launder money when that's the job of Wall Street and Wells Fargo. Pleading guilty, the young Murgo admitted... He knew he was acting illegally when he enticed friends and family members, including his father, Michael, to help him operate a crooked money exchange business. Quote, I screwed up badly, he said in court, knowing that by, quote, screw up, it was because he was caught. See you in 2023, Anthony. We hope your dad visits you in jail. So we're going to move a little bit up the coast. Let's check out a story in Maryland because we hear it's nice this time of year. Carletta Fellows, a Prince George's County School Board member, was privately censured by her colleagues and accused of inappropriately using her county-issued credit card. She resigned from the Board of Education, citing personal reasons. It seems that she didn't disclose a few traffic stops and a tax lien from almost two decades prior when she filled out the board paperwork. Fellows had won by a wide margin campaigning on change and reform in the troubled district. She had raised questions about the administration's handling of the budget, the board's awarding of contracts, and its decision to discuss certain issues only in closed sessions. Quote, I'm going to ask questions that may be uncomfortable for some people, Fellow said at the time. I don't care if they don't like my tone. I'm doing my due diligence for the district. According to the Washington Post, less than two months after she took office, the board voted in a closed session to censure her. Three months later, Fellows was stripped of her county-issued credit card for making more than $700 in unauthorized charges for utility bills. Less than a year later, she resigned. While this may seem the work of a criminal, according to Fellows' own LinkedIn profile, she currently is employed and looks like she's had a very long career in education, working at very high levels since she left the district. There is always more to the story. The public sources don't always give us a full picture, and we mean we just had a story where a school board member strangled a teenager and another one threatened to kill someone's husband, and they're still on school boards. So we're just saying there's more to this story than what's in the papers. Being a school board member, as we've heard, is a difficult job and one that more often than not doesn't provide a real paycheck. In addition to regular board meetings, which can last well into the night, you have to deal with emergencies of all sorts, from fiscal to professional to safety. While there are professional associations that help board members, for many board members, it is a new experience that comes with new responsibilities, and you have to learn the job on the job, and with a hot mic picking up every thoughtless or flatulent moment. According to current numbers, there are over 13,000 school districts many of which have their own school boards that never appear in the news outside of, of course, the education section of whatever local media might be covering them. We do wish our school boards well, even if a few members fail from time to time or are corrupt or are baller grandpas who freak out and go all grand theft auto on people. We'd like to thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thanks, of course, to our news sources. We'll post highlights in our show notes page, and also sound credits will be there. Special thanks to our Patreon students. You know who you are, and we know who you are. And if you want to join, just go over to Patreon or click the links on Scandal 
k12us.com. If you're listening and you have tax refund in hand, this is that time of year, think about passing a little of that coin on our way. You can go directly to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash scandal k12us. We do this podcast for the love of learning, but also, like most teachers, we do it for the love of money. Freesound allows us to add a soundscape to all of our episodes, keep them in your thoughts and prayers, and perhaps throw them a little bit of money too. You can donate money or the sound of money, as we say, or you can donate actual money. We don't know. We're going to be continuing to make some more episodes. We're almost to the close of our second season. Thank you for being with us. All the support and the encouragement has really meant a lot. And remember, students, tell us and we forget. Teach us and we remember. Screw us over, and you're on scandal.k12.us. Class dismissed. <laughs>